0: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
1: Michael Kist. You caught me not listening again? Benjamin Solak.
2: You never listen!
1: It's the Kist and Solak Show. Presented by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. You are flying high on the Kist and Solak Show. This is episode 212. Brought to you by the Five Folkhead SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I am your host, Michael Kist. Follow me on Twitter at Michael Kist N F L. That's K-I-S-T. As always, joined by the best doggone co-host in the game, Mr. Ten Year Streak. Without a bad day, he is Benjamin Solak. Follow him on Twitter at Benjamin Solak. That's S-O-L-A-K-Ben. How you doing, brother?
2: Oh, Mike, everything is delicious. Thank Good. you for asking. Nice. Today I had like uh, no publishes. It's my off day. My Fridays tend to be pretty chill. And I was thinking to myself, I might just like sit down and like do the first report of draft season. And that was a nice feeling. Like, oh, we're officially transitioning from caring about this nfl season how nice
1: yes are you ready for four months of debate surrounding whether or not you would take jamar chase in the top 10
2: i don't think eagles fans will have any debates whether or not they'll take jamar chase in the top 10 they'll all be okay with taking jamar chase in the top 10 lsu wide receiver who is better than justin jefferson
1: mm-hmm. yeah. do you think he's gonna be a better pro than justin jefferson yes oh, well i mean wow. like
2: actually that's that's unreasonable yeah because Jefferson, right. Jefferson as a prospect <laughs> has been literally bananas. Right. Uh, he's a better he's a better prospect coming out, but by, by the way that we know how to evaluate wide receivers than Jefferson was. Yeah, I agree. What Jefferson's doing, I mean, I I am not ready to put this take on Philadelphia Eagles podcast. What Jefferson's has been doing for the Minnesota Vikings is absolutely bananas. I think he's going to regress. He's caught seventy five percent of his deep targets this year, Mike.
1: No, like through his first eleven starts or whatever it is, he's like top five, top three of like all wide receivers ever. Like yeah. it's it's crazy,
2: right? But like even, but like it's if he were doing that and it looked regular, then it'd be cool. He's just right. caught way too many. It's it's AJ Brown from last year,
1: right, right, right. AJ
2: Brown caught like ninety five percent of his deep targets. It's like all right, like he's great, but like this is not going to happen again. Yeah, and, I mean, and Brown's been really good this year, but it's not happening again.
1: The the, the point the point is he's great and we're probably going to annoy the listeners by talking about justin jefferson any more than we already have
2: (laughs) i i mean like i I don't view jefferson's success as a referendum on rager on that pick like like, with what the eagles were prioritizing at at, at wide receiver where they prioritized the entire draft in terms of explosiveness jumps vertical ability i think that rager also is a guy that you project to be better after a year or two yeah yeah with that said yeah, God, it's it. they just suck at <laughs> evaluating. <laughs>
1: but that's that's not what we're here to talk about we are here to preview the Eagles and the Packers before we actually do that we have to talk about some recent news where you know it's been a big back and forth about will Doug give up play calling and he says you know if he's in a rut he'll do it but apparently there's a recent report that Doug has in fact delegated some portions of the play calling so it's a play calling triumvirate of Doug Peterson, Press Taylor, and Rich Gangarello which nobody realized that was happening because the offense really isn't much difference and a lot of People have pointed to the two-minute drill and and in Scangarello having a heavy hand in that and so on and so forth. From 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 my view, none of this stuff is is the stuff that Scangarello was brought in to install to the offense. So he's just calling a sequence of plays off of a menu that already existed for the Eagles. Right. Do do you agree with that, Ben?
2: From from my understanding, which I may be completely wrong, and, right. and this may who actually knows? be a unique situation. It is extremely regular for a head coach who calls plays usually Mm -hmm. to stop calling plays in the two minute, right? especially for a coach like Peterson, who's got a dude in his ear being like, all right, if we get to like the 44 or closer call a timeout, but if we get beyond the 43, don't call it Like I don't know what the conversations are, you know, whatever, but like the, the whole decision-making process and maximizing in the analytics chart, so on and so forth. Peterson says, all right, I might, I don't want to be, I don't want to be in the headset with Wentz calling a play, also be in the headset with the booth, figuring out our decision-making process and then go back to the headset with Wentz to communicate the decision-making process, right? right? Like, if you think about it, Wentz will get the voice of Scangarello saying, all right, you know, trips, right, Buccaneer, whatever, and he'll get the voice of Peterson saying, any first down inside the 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 um, the sideline, we're clocking it, we're holding right. our time out.
1: He's, he's looking at the game management exactly. stuff because things are happening so fast. He comes in on the assist right. while the guys call the sequence of plays.
2: Right. Which, as I said, is, is to me, for, again, from my understanding, maybe completely wrong. That's basic, yeah. Is very standard for when a, co- a head coach calls plays. And we, we know, you know, let's not forget Peterson, when he was under Reed in Kansas City. Did the same. And Reed was trying to get Peterson play calling reps to improve his, his, you know, resume as a head coach or whatever. Yeah. Would do very much the same thing. He's doing it with enemy, Right. He's doing it with enemy to the point with Press-Taylor. Taylor's already had stretches of calling plays so far this year, and we know the Eagles view Press Taylor as an up-and-coming star, and we know the league views Press Taylor as an up-and-coming star, and we know we do not view Press Taylor as an up-and-coming star, but that doesn't matter. Uh, So to me, these these are, you know, the Eagles were even like five and six, and like semi-functional on offense, let alone successful. This wouldn't be things that we're talking about, but because Peterson said, you know, giving up play calling is on the table, now it becomes an interesting thing that oh Peterson hasn't been calling plays 100% of the time. Mm. So this this to me is is like, you know, you only notice it because there's stuff going on around it. The, the, this is an, a non-starter for me. I, I don't experience this as any news or any sort of shift on my opinion of Peterson or Wentz or Taylor or Scangarello or the offense or anything.
1: Yeah, unless he were to totally give it up, then really nothing is. is-
2: actually, I should say it, it is a change for Skangarello because at first I thought Scangarello only brought bad things with his god-awful install of, of play action, all their under center garbage. It yep. turns out he's actually calling plays in the two minutes. So he's doing one constructive <laughs> thing for the Eagles this year. Congrats to him.
1: Yeah that was supposed to be his big contribution. Hey let's get Wentz on the move and roll him out which is everybody what's everybody's calling for. The play action game stinks for the Eagles. The rollout game the the He's play bad. action boot from under center stinks. So he has brought mm-hmm nothing in terms of that or the Eagles haven't been able to utilize it properly. I know Peterson was resistant to the idea of bringing him in. So maybe there's some friction there that is causing some issues with them. Either way, uh, I think we all understand that it's a big mess. And let's get into it. Let's talk about this upcoming game with the Eagles and the Packers. First, we'll kind of go to the injury report here. and We'll just hit the major themes on this one. Uh, What we know is that Zacherts and Fletcher Cox are set to play. Quarterback Darius Light is questionable. He's got that calf strain that he suffered in the game last week. And then for the Packers, we know for sure that Corey Lindsley, the center is out. So they're going to be reshuffling their trenches. Ben, before we get to like the nitty gritty, are you excited as I am to hear Tony Romo on the call on this one? Did you know he was in the, in the oh, booth yeah, for this yeah,
2: yeah, one? Oh yeah, yeah. No, the second night, <laughs> it was funny because we finished the Monday night game and everybody was like Lewis, Riddick, and Brian Greasy talking about Carson Wentz. Firstly, what in God's name are they watching? And secondly, <laughs> Reddick, yo, I I did not realize. Because like I'm watching the game, I'm usually like 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 locking in, trying to like see how stuff's going on. I'm like kind of half listening to the broadcast. I went back to rewatch the broadcast to hear Riddick talk at the end of the fourth quarter. This dude hates Howie Roseman. Oh, he does. Hate he said in twenty fifteen. Uh, you know, it's no secret that Roseman and I don't exchange Christmas presents. That was five years ago. OK, yeah. since then, Roseman has regained control of the front office. because He said it when he lost it. Right. The chip. He's regained control of the front office, won a Super Bowl. And then everything's come crumbling around him. How for, for three years, Riddick's been sitting there with Roseman getting so much praise for Super yes. Bowl. He won Executive of the Year. And Riddick's been like, someday my moment will come. <laughs> okay. And in his first year on Monday Night Football, he gets the three six, and 6-1 Eagles when they cannot move the ball against the Seahawks. Oh, my gosh. Riddick was a kid in a candy store. It was absolutely hilarious. That's but, tremendous. yes, I'm thrilled for Romo because well, yeah. you know that, that Romo's going to... You know, like with, with, with the, the decorum and the etiquette of being on the broadcast, yeah. be explicit what the issues are with Carson. You know, he is uh, an ex-quarterback and was a good quarterback, and probably he himself does not have much love lost for the Eagles as, as an ex-cowboy. So I'd imagine he's going to be clear about yeah. the issues that they've got a quarterback.
1: I, I actually like him much more than Troy Aikman in the booth. I feel like he's uh, there's less oh, yeah. bias there uh, oh, by Aikman, by far. So uh, that that is going to be exciting. I, I, I do like Romo as a uh, as a color guy. I think he's going to bring some value there. And it'll be interesting to see what he says about Carson throughout this game. Interesting to see how Carson performs in this game. Let, let, we'll go to the official line here. Right now, the Packers are eight and a half point favorites. The over under is at 48 and a half. So the score of what Vegas is saying is twenty-eight for the Packers, twenty for the Eagles. You want to start with the Eagles' uh, offense, there, Ben? Your call, dealer's choice.
2: Yeah, I know. Well, we usually do, and obviously, I think the way this interesting match, the way this matchup is for the the Eagles and and the interest in it is obviously. Many people remember last year, a poor Eagles team, you know, that had suffered a couple bad losses coming into week four against Green Bay, running the ball all over the Packers and winning that game. Mm. And, you know, uh, I agree with the sentiment that it is not hard to find that narrative again uh, and to to script a world in which the Eagles win this game. I I picked the Eagles in the BGN picks. I I think that they're going to. Wow. Run the football a ton and take early down runs, take the ball to of Carson Wentz's hand and make this thing a game. And it's yeah. going to be obnoxious.
1: I, I have in my notes here the path to success. I mean, it's very much like that 2019 mm-hmm. win over the pack. They ran 33 times, 176 yards, two touchdowns, only threw 27 times. That, of course, is when the Packers decided to respond to the Eagles' heavy personnel with light personnel. And they got bulldozed. It also helped that Devontae Adams went out with a toe injury as that definitely helped slow the game down a little bit. Uh, This Eagles team also isn't the same one that we saw last year. It's not even close, but the recipe should be see if you can run it successfully in the early portions of the game. Try not to get too pass happy so you can at least limit the potential for mistakes as Wentz has been a turnover machine. Ball security, by the way, for Miles Sanders and for Wentz, obviously, but Miles Sanders uh, will be key. Has with three times on just 127 touches. Green Bay has struggled to turn the ball over this year on defense, but the Eagles rank 30th in giveaways. So turning it over an average of two, time, two times per game. Obviously, the weakness for the Packers defense, as we're kind of saying here, not that it's matters for the uh, for the Eagles offense, but we might as well detail the opportunity. The Packer, 19th. In points allowed per game, they're trending towards giving up more recently. They're a middling third down pass defense, a middling third down defense, a below average red zone defense, a below average run defense, like their run defense, and this is why we're saying they should run the ball, 4.6 yards allowed per carry. That's 25th in the league. That number has gone up recently as their struggles continue. And you kind of look at what the, Eagle, or the, the Eagles will be looking at to attack Green Bay when they go to the air. There is a low blitz rate. There is a low pressure rate for Green Bay this year. That helps when you look at some guys that the, the Packers have in their secondary. And when you talk about yards per route run, when you look at this Green Bay defense and specifically Jair Alexander, he's top 10 in that category in coverage, only allowing 0.73 yards per coverage snap. Safety Darnell Savage, one of my biggest draft crushes, you know this, Ben. Had a spectacular game against the Bears, picking off Mitchell Drabisky twice. Kind of like, you know, dunking on a kid, but whatever. Uh The first one was uh, a brilliantly executed speed turn, playing from single high on a deep shot. The second one was roboting a deep over where he was able to get his head back around and make a leaping catch. Uh, Deuce putting together a solid season, so those two can be dangerous. The other safety, Adrian Amos, is putting together another quietly solid season. That's former my boy. Eagle, yeah, former Eagle, Chandon Sullivan has had some ups and downs, but he has looked pretty good over the past couple of weeks. Definitely wasn't a liability in those games against the Bears and the Colts that I watched. Quarterback Kevin King is below average, but I talked a bunch of mess about him in last year's preview and Alshon <laughs> Jeffrey let him shine. So I'm going to bite my tongue here. Um, this is a, this is a solid secondary that would look a lot better if they were getting after the quarterback up front. Defensive coordinator Mike Patton. Isn't a real popular dude right now, in part because of the strategy that he employs on third and longs, which Eagles fans will understand very well in terms of the cushion that he allows. And they actually rank really well in terms of their conversion rate, but they leak a lot of yards in those situations and set up opposing offenses for manageable fourth down attempts. Ultimately, hopefully, this is a game where Carson can stand in relatively clean pockets, hopefully get in a rhythm because there should be opportunities but if, if the protection <laughs> breaks down i think this secondary has a field day jumping all over things
2: absolutely and and i'm i'm devastated that you did not mention eagles great chandon sullivan who
1: i did i said he was I, he wasn't a liability in the the bears and colts games that i watched so i thought he was fine oh, up and down I missed season it. Yeah, you were uh, listening. Well, that
2: wasn't enough cr- cr- uh, credit to Channon Sullivan. Actually, Eagles was great. <laughs> Who, like, if you had told me Channing Sullivan stuck in the league, I'd be like, oh, nice. And then you would have been like, as a slot corner, I would have been like, you're outside your mind. What are you talking right. about? I have no yeah. idea how he's doing this. But anyway, congrats <laughs> to Chandon. Yeah. You, you you hit the nail on the head. Uh, Packers 22nd in team pass rush win rate right now, which for a, a team that is currently employing Zadarius Smith, Preston Smith. Right. Kenny Clark is not where you want it to be. Uh, you know, Packers fans have gotten excited by some recent positive play by Rashawn Gary. I was hoping for more when I checked him out. I thought that he actually was getting better. To me, he's just being extremely physical in space. <laughs> this, the, what, what this pass rush wants to do, you know, in terms of, they don't get you into a ton of third and longs. They're one of the most acquiescent first down defenses. And a lot of that has to go with the way they line up against the run. Uh, Hayden Winks of Roto World shared today, uh, defenses that run the most too deep zone They're rushing EPA on first and 10 this year. Uh, Indianapolis, uh, the Raiders, Minnesota, Kansas City, and then Green Bay, an extremely heavy two-high team, especially Mm. on first and 10. Green Bay is 28th in rushing EPA on first and 10. They are giving up a significant amount of yardage on first and 10 runs, which we should expect the Eagles as the fan base has been crying for and as they did against the Packers last year to integrate into the game plan. So you get the Packers into easier third downs and then they don't have the the horses right now in the pass rush that it seemed like they did last year to win one-on-one. What they'd like to do when they get you into your potential third and long situations is have you know a hand in the dirt, Kenny Clark, maybe a hand in the dirt, uh, Kingsley Kiki. But besides that, just all rushers, right? You put Zedaria Smith, Preston Smith, Rashawn Gary, uh, Ty- Tyler, no, not Lancaster. What's, what's 91? I can't remember 91. Anyway, <laughs> put all of these guys on the line of scrimmage, stand up in, in two-point stances, rush with speed, twist, stunts, and games. And when you watch the Eagles with Jason Peters at right guard last week against Seattle, Seattle was a very blitz-heavy team and ran a ton of stunts. And Jason Peters really struggled at guard to account for those stunts. When we talk about defensive line games and handling them as an offensive line, what's most important is integrity across five and maintaining mm. levels. The object of getting of running a stunt is isn't to free up one particular like oh the crasher will take two and then the looper will be free that's how it works on the chalkboard but that's very rarely how it works in practice what you're hoping to do is is when you force that switch between the two offensive linemen when you switch the defensive line you switch the offensive line and by forcing that switch they get off of levels with each other they're like instead of the center being shoulder to shoulder with the guard and the guard being a little bit further back and the guard being shoulder to shoulder with the tackle with the tackle being a little bit further back you start to disrupt those vertical levels and you create cracks in the a gap and in the b gap in which you can generate interior pressure and interior pressure is a nightmare for quarterbacks especially quarterbacks who are struggling the way the Carson Wentz is struggling and so the Packers while they don't have a good pass rush success rate 1v1 they're good at generating pressure with games and the Eagles have really struggled blocking games you know it's a one game sample size but they've struggled all season and Jason yeah. Peters really struggled with it at right guard now you change The tackle next to him, Matt Pryor. And Pryor, he plays super high up into the line of scrimmage at tackle. Uh, He also plays very poorly. But, you know, just stylistically, he plays very high up into the line of scrimmage. He doesn't deep sex. He doesn't have a lot of speed. Jack Driscoll, who's more of a guard build, more fleet footed, sets much deeper. Yes. And so this is going to make things a little bit easier on Peters because he'll be able to play a little bit deeper, which... Even for his limited athleticism, he's more used to playing deeper as a tackle. Yes. Now at guard, he doesn't want to play as close to the line of scrimmage where things happen so fast. So it, the right side of that line is, is the side to watch. That's usually where you get Preston Smith uh, in the lineup. They'll when they uh, when they rush with with Kingsley Kiki, they'll put him on that side. Rashawn Gary at two tech on that side. That's where they're going to run their games. And Peters is going to be the player that you target. You're going to have to send help to him with Jason Kelsey. That's going to leave Isaac Samala and Jordan Milata on islands. Mailata has got to be able to beat Zadaria Smith one-on-one. So while on paper, pass rush for the Packers, not ferocious, the Seagulls offensive line is good in pass block win rate, 1v1. But against stunts and games, they've really been struggling. And with yet another offensive line combination, there's some worry here.
1: I just got the, the visual image of my head of like, okay, you're a right guard in the NFL and one week, you know, you, you're used to Lane Johnson to your right side all the time mm-hmm. dealing with stunts in the depth and Lane gets super, super deep, maybe deeper than anybody else in the league. And then the next week you have Matt Pryor next to you and you've got to reconfigure like exactly. that's, it's like the most polar opposite type of depth you could have. Uh, and this is why I case. didn't
2: I didn't understand the prior right tackle thing in the first right. place. It just did not make sense <laughs> next to Peters, let alone prior at tackle, period. Right. right. Just because he's he's really uh, uh, underwhelmed and underperformed this year, in my opinion. So. Yeah. The good news here is for all of the struggles in communicating and and handing off stunts and twists, the offensive line remains really, really good at run blocking. And this Mm. is, you know, Jeff Stalin, man. I mean, like, I do not know how he does this, right? Because there's no reason the Eagles offensive line should continue to be as good as it's been. But Miles Sanders is one of the top running backs in the league in yards before contact. Yep. (laughs) <laughs> which is a testament to run blocking, a testament to space that's generated. And so when you look at, and, and like I said, we're going to you know talk about how this worked. The Eagles last year sat in 12 personnel against the Packers and the Packers sat in diamond and nickel against it. Yep. Will Redmond, who they left on the God, field all year. Wait, this on. is... It's absolutely, it's objectively hilarious. Will Redmond, they just left him on the field as a linebacker all year, and it went terrible. <laughs> yeah. He has been banged up for the last few weeks. Guess who's back healthy now?
1: Will Redmond, baby. Will Let's Redman's pick on him. Will
2: Redmond, back, baby. Back in time for the Eagles game. <laughs> uh, so if they choose to, which they do, uh, put Amos and Darnell Savage as they're too high and play Will Redmond in the box mm. in their dime packages, mm-hmm. Dallas Goddard and Zach Ertz should eat that young man's lunch. And Zach Ertz also is back now for this game where the Eagles, you would expect, will main twelve personnel. Now, running games going to be good. The passing game has been atrocious. The yeah. best passing game the Eagles have gotten has been out of empty sets, running eleven personnel, sometimes twelve, but usually eleven. They ran it a lot against the Seahawks and encouraging them out. As a matter of fact, it's, this has been uh, something they've done well: empty sets for the entire season, and they kind of seem to be getting their finger on the pulse of it a little bit, using uh, a bursts of tempo as they've done as well to, to kind of augment that quickness, make things easier for Carson Wentz you can't sit in empty against the the Packers. They're way too good in the secondary, right? You know, Amos, Savage, they're they're three corners. I don't see how you do it. Uh, You know, Seattle was far worse and you struggled to pass the ball against them. Uh, And so they're going to have to manufacture the passing game out of 12. Carson Wentz is going to have to hit seam routes to his tight ends. Uh, last year against the Packers, they ran a lot of quick outbreaking stuff from those reduced sets, right? So they'd have tight ends tight to the formation and then break them out quick and take advantage of that cushion that you talked about. Mm-hmm. Got to be able to hit those throws quick to the outside. You got yeah. if, if you're going to pick up five, six yards and go out of bounds, throw has to be accurate on time which has not been Wentz this year. So while the running game is, is likely to be good, they're going to run duo. They're going to run inside zone. They're going to come down downhill, especially if they activate Jordan Howard. They're going to come straight into the A-gaps. Christian Kirksey's back. They're going to blow him off the ball. But you have to be able to pass out of your base sets. And Wentz has struggled to throw the ball this year, especially from under center. And so if, if they're... Put him under center to hand off the football and to get vertical. I don't know if the passing game is going to be able to sustain four quarters.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that. And a a couple numbers that have to change. Number one, six carries for Miles Sanders is not going to get it done like it did last week. Previous two weeks, he had 15 and 16 carries. It needs to be more like that. It needs to be more like week one and Mm -hmm. two where it's 20 carries, 18 carries. Put it on the guy's shoulder. See if he is, in fact, special. Passing game, we'll work on the drops, but come on. Uh, The second one, the snaps for Travis Fulgham, Alshon Jeffrey. 37 for Travis Fulgham last week, 35 for Alshon Jeffrey. Can we take Alshon off the field? He didn't look good against the Pack last year. He looked slow last year. Now he's coming back from a Liz Frank surgery. And by the way, that's usually catastrophic for offensive players, especially when they're a little bit older like Alshon Jeffrey.
2: I forgot about Alshon last year against the Packers. Terrible. Uh, slow, and was that lasting. was also Nelson last year against Packers, if I remember correctly. Aguilar had like two targets, no receptions, no yards or something like that. It was yeah. horrible. So what do you think? Maybe? Over
1: over, under? Uh, what Frame whatever you're about to say an over under 20 points for the Eagles offense.
2: <laughs> I was going to say maybe they take Alshon out, but there's no reason to believe so. It's like with Wentz, right? Yeah. How, if Alshon's current level of play is not bad enough to get him benched, what is? What is? He can't be... <laughs> worse than this yeah he can't catch he can't elevate he can't run he can't block he's never been able to block why is he there so uh i i, I mean i think they, they keep him in i like you know it's they're going to continue to funnel targets to jalen rager and I, I should say touches opportunities to jalen rager yeah for every target that rager gets there's another that he should have gotten that was either designed and nicely covered by the defense or or Rager messed up, like the wide receiver screen that yeah. would have been like potentially a touchdown against the Seahawks, where Rager was like, I'm gonna go run a route. And everybody else was like, Brother, uh, <laughs> we need you here. And then everybody
1: was like, Why aren't they scheming up Rager? And like, well, man, look yeah. at
2: him. <laughs> <Where's Exactly. going?" laughs> My G's out there running a five yard <laughs> out. Like, this is not the play call, buddy. <laughs> and then also, there's routes where he is the primary and he does open. And Carson's like, But I'm gonna stare at you for a bit and then not throw it <laughs> to you because. That's the way I like to do it nowadays. Or
1: or throw it to you way too late, yeah. like uh, me and Mark talked about on the QB factory. So what do you think? Over or oh, under 20 yeah, points? Oh, yeah, that
2: second and 10th throw or whatever it was.
1: Abysmal. God
2: almighty. <laughs> um, 20 points. I think the Eagles go over. In that, I think the Eagles win the game. I, I expect this to be an extremely dominant game from Sanders. Uh, not only do I expect more called runs, I think the Eagles might step a little bit back into their under center packages that they've been getting away from for the last couple of weeks, rightfully so and uh, rpos are also going to box count wise end up being runs instead of passes Uh, the pre-snap looks the package looks wentz will kill passing plays at the line and change them into running plays and take advantage of those i think there will be a focus on the running game it is tough to predict this offensive coaching staff is going to do something smart but we're like only 15 months removed from them putting 34 on the packers by just running the daggum football yeah. So if they can't figure this out, like honestly, <laughs> and with with Ertz and back, they're going to live in 12 and that's what they like to run out of. And so I think that you you get a, a good offensive performance by the Eagles. I say they score 27, 28 points.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think the blueprint is there. I'm going to go over. I'm not going to say the exact score yet. I'm going to save it for the pay- pay-per-view, uh, aka the end of the show when I give my final score prediction. Absolutely.
2: So. After you listen to this ad, suckers. Yeah, that's correct. Let's go to
1: break.
0: <laughs>
1: And we are back here on the Kist and Solak Show, episode two twelve. SB Nation, Bleeding Green Nation. Michael Kist here with Benjamin Solak, bringing it to you. We're gonna switch sides of the ball now. We're gonna talk about the Eagles' defense, how they match up with the Packers' offense. Uh, basic rundown of the stats that they've uh, put up to this year, and then we'll get into the scheme stuff once that's established. Uh, the Packers' offense is first in the league in points per game. They're putting up thirty-one point seven, which, whew, buddy. They're second in overall DVOA, they're third in the red zone. They're also first in average time of possession, which you could argue stems from not only their ground game, which is seventh in DVOA, but also their success on third down. That ranks fourth. And also factor in that, according to the New York Times metric that they have there, uh, a huge outlier when it comes to fourth down aggressiveness with them. Situationally, far and away, the ballsiest team on fourth down, which tends to keep their offense on the field more. If the Eagles' defense can get them into those fourth down situations and get some key stops like they did early against the Seahawks, that could lead to some real short fields, major turning points uh, on which this game could hinge. So, uh, looking at this team, though, from a coaching perspective and how it impacts their offense, it's their second year with head coach Matt LaFleur who has spent previous time with the Titans. Mm -hmm. He was with the Rams with Sean McVay before that. He was the Falcons as a quarterback coach with then-offensive coordinator Kyle Shanahan. Also, Washington back from 2010 to 2013, which was with head coach Mike Shanahan. And, of course, the offensive coordinator there was Kyle Shanahan. So, the Shanahan roots are deep. Sprinkle in some McVay. And uh, this marks yet another – Of This style of offense that the Eagles are tasked with stopping this year. Obviously, each has their own flavor, but stylistically speaking, you're going to see some Shanahan, McVay staples, not limited to, but including the use of pre-step motion. A lot of that from them. You see the same from the 49ers, the Browns, the Rams. So the Eagles have had plenty of practice against it. We'll see if it matters. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is in the top half of the league for play action frequency. Joined by other Eagles opponents this year, like Baker Mayfield, Jared Goff, and Nick Mullins from similar systems, this has, of course, been a sore spot for them for the entire Schwartz regime. But this year, the drop-off in linebacker play has really exacerbated that issue. Like when you compare those schemes, as I as I mentioned them, you know, I, what do you what do you expect right. to see? This maybe similar, maybe different. Like, how do you view this this overall philosophy for their offense?
2: Right. So the terror. Right. I don't use the fear or the worry. The terror. The ultimate horror. Is that the Eagles are like, hey, you remember what we did against the Rams? Where We were like, <laughs> let's just chase motion across the formation and man coverage and then have no idea what to do on the new formation. Mm-hmm. That because <laughs> the Rams are one of the heaviest pre-snap motion teams in the league with the Packers are right up there with them. And I believe at this stage in the season, the Packers are number one. Don't quote me. They're like top five, but I, I believe that they're number one. Lafleur sends guys flying all over the place and he does it with the intent of, putting your coverage shells in an immediate bind, putting your your back seven, back six into an immediate bind, into an immediate state of confusion. Because number one, nobody is as good at, at diagnosing and taking advantage of coverage breakdowns coverage weaknesses than Rodgers. Mm-hmm. rogers you know when we talk about playmaking we often talk about you know breaking the pocket and surviving so on and so forth rogers is one of the best in the league at like just saying okay screw my progression i'm gonna see if i can take advantage of this and being yeah. right like all of the time uh so that, that that's you know playmaking from the pocket he's he's one of the historical best not just the best in, in the current league and so they're gonna put you into a ton of motion because it's gonna give Rodgers the opportunity to take advantage of space take advantage of mistakes it also is really beneficial for their running game. Uh, they will send guys flying across to put your second level in motion. It would change your linebackers, flip their running strength, and then they'll run split zone behind you. And that's very McVeighian, right? That's very much right. the McVeigh approach. They've got Aaron Rodge- Aaron Jones, who's a tremendous back. who's playing really, really well. And then they've got one of the top offensive lines in the league in run-blocking ability. As Mike said, they're dealing with some injury. John Runyon Jr. will be making his first NFL start. In Phil or in Green Bay, but against Philadelphia.
1: That's dope for him, man. That's real dope. Yeah,
2: that's really, really cool. So I hope that the the, the Runyan family has a good time with that because that's awesome. I hope, you know, Fletch takes his lunch a few times yeah. also. But that's that <laughs> like, you know, if he doesn't, that's also okay. I'm happy for the Runyans. But so that offensive line's a little bit banged up, but uh, run blocking-wise, they've been very successful. And so they, they like to use the motion, number one, to give them good angles in the running game, climbing to the second-level running zone, and number two, to give Rodgers exploitable opportunities in the passing game. The Eagles against the Rams, just every every throw for Jared Goff was free. It was five yards, it was outside of the hashes, and it was effortless. And, and the Rams uh, put Goff on a lot more bootlegs, a lot more outside-of-the-pocket stuff than the, the Packers will do against... The Eagles, right. they, they, for, with Rodgers, they don't roll him out as much. Mm-hmm. But Rodgers also has way more arm talent than Goff, so it's all like you have to get him closer to these concepts.
1: <laughs> that's a great point.
2: You don't have to cut the field in half for Rodgers, right? Yep. A lot of why they roll Goff out, it's not because Goff is a great mover. like <laughs> He's not he's just an average guy. It's because they, they need to simplify things for him, and that's fine. You know, He's not the only quarterback in the league that needs that. Um, but but for Rodgers, you you're not necessarily hand, handcuffed with that. And so if the Eagles decide to approach man coverage in that way, they're going to be at a spot of weakness and it's going to be interesting to see what their answer is because you say, oh, well, they played the Shanahan offense. Yeah, Shanahan really like with, with Mullins in there. He didn't run the passing game the way I expected and feared. Right. and They were very, very run heavy and they're very heavy personnel. Uh, and that let the Eagles play, like, four linebackers, right? That was the game where Jannard Avery was like, I'm going to have two sacks and then do nothing else for the rest of the year, right? Because they just put Avery in over, like, the two tight end sets and just let mm. him be, like, an on-ball Sam. That's not... The Packers don't do that. The Packers will run multiple tight ends. They'll run a, a, a quasi-fullback out there. But they don't do it, at like, you know, they don't they do not do it heavy. They'll go empty with it. You know, they'll spread yeah. their receivers out. Uh, so you're not going to have that luxury. So I, I don't necessarily think that the game against Kyle Shanahan provides an... an Actionable mold for response. So one, you either have to have really good communication in your secondary, which your starters are healthy. Uh, Ronnie McLeod, Darius Slay, Avante Maddox, Nickel Ruby Coleman, Jalen Mills. Your starters are healthy and available. Darius Slay has the calf injury. They need Slay to travel with Adams, so they yeah. have to stay in man. So you have to be really good at communicating. And and ready, here it comes. Knowing what to do against bunch sets, knowing what to do against switch releases, <laughs> knowing what to do against rub routes, which is just Jim Schwartz defenses historically are never entirely sure what's going on with those. Yeah. Uh, because you need Adams, uh, you need Slay to be able to travel with Adams. If Slay is at less than hundred percent, coming in questionable with the calf, he has to pull himself. He's re-injured, or you know, if if they just there aren't getting that matchup. Let's say Slay is struggling against Adams, which he's historically been quite good against Adams. Let's say he's struggling they can go heavy zone, but they haven't done it all year. Yeah, And it, it's difficult to imagine that they're going to start doing it now. You know, we talk about this every week and it never comes to fruition every week. So the the Packers offense schematically is going to stress communication along the back seven going to stress angles in your running game and in the quick passing game and with Darius Slay dedicated to Devontae Adams it's going to give Rodgers the opportunity to say oh I've got a safety spinning down I've got a different safety spinning to single high I've got Marquez Valdez scaling in a sprint off against Devontae Maddox and that man is 6'4 with 34 inch arms let's throw a football baby
1: I was just about to point that out. Yeah, when you look at the matchups, I mean, I think you mentioned in the post game show that you think that Darius Slay versus Devontae Adams more suits the skill set of Darius Slay as opposed to going up against like the Hulk, aka DK Metcalf. And I would definitely agree there, even though Slay is banged up. Last year with the Lions, Slay shadowed Adams. They only faced off once because of the turf toe injury that Adams suffered in the Eagles game that I mentioned before when they were head up with each other. Adams was targeted five times. He had four receptions for 63 yards, zero touchdowns. Let me tell you, I'm going to take that every day and hopefully on Sunday. Compare that to week four last year where mm-hmm. Adams went off on the Eagles for 10 catches, 180 yards, only 55 snaps. That's 4.39 yards per route run. Not yards per target, not four yards point per reception. Three nine? <laughs> 4.39 yards per r- – every time he three, ran it's, around.
2: It's 3.3 <laughs> yards per snap.
1: Yeah, that's crazy.
2: Running but snap. 3.3 yards to Devontae Adams.
1: One of the best totals <laughs> of, of the of the week. It's an, it's insane. And, and speaking of yards per outrun, per PFF, Devontae Adams leads the league in this category this year. His 2.96 yes. average over the season, slightly better than Justin Jefferson's. Yeah, and then there's does. a pretty significant gap after those two as they sit head and shoulders above the rest of the pack in efficiency. But again, this is a matchup. Where slight, even hopefully if he's 100%, he should be more competitive than last week. Uh, Adams is still one of the most complete receivers in the league. Should be a fun one. And the feature of this might be the matchup with the targets that will get funneled away from that. Perhaps to guys like you mentioned, Marcus Valdez-Scantling. Or Alan Lazard working against Devontae Maddox. It's a 6'4 dude and a 6'5 guy, which, mm-hmm. brother, give my man a stack of phone books for this one because it's about to get yeah.
2: weird. They got they got Bobby Tanyan. <laughs> Bobby Tanyan, excuse me. Tanyan. Bob Tanyan, yeah. Right, exactly. The the wide receiver masquerading as a tight end is going to yes. get Jalen Mills. It's old baby. They, by the way, this whole, like, we might play Grayland Arnold thing against this offense? <laughs> against this quarterback? Yeah, oh, my God. <laughs> what, at free safety?
1: He's, they're going to look at him like Will Redman.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Like, I'm very curious to see. I, I, I would imagine the third safety is Marcus Epps. Which right. remains hilarious that we're continuing to do this with Marcus Epps. Which is like, yeah, he might be something. I, I, no. I actually
1: I think actually think Epps is like an okay fourth safety tops. Mark
2: right. Marcus Epps He hasn't Epps, been
1: he hasn't been bad. He hasn't been objectively well, right.
2: bad. Right. Well okay. But he yes, hasn't been good. But, right. This is like like when like people would be like, Oh Corey Graham's not that bad. Yeah, because you never see him on the screen. <laughs>
1: Right, Look, but, don't don't you slander Marcus Epps like that? He's playing right. better than Corey. That's the Graham, thing at at is like
2: Marcus Epps should be Rudy Ford. Right, but Rudy Ford is Rudy Ford. So Marcus <laughs> Epps is being Marcus Epps. Meanwhile, Kayvon Wallace is all is like you know he's made special teams. They're like we need to get Grayland Arnold on the active roster. Let's cut Will Parks. <laughs> oh my gosh, their safety position so bad. We don't even talk about McLeod, who just like is fine and is played yeah. like he's a lot better than fine. Uh, and so right, I I I. You got Ar- Ar- Arnold Grayland Arnold. I always want to call there him is. Arlind because it's Grayland Arnold. Uh, you got <laughs> Arnold, and you've got you know Michael Jacquet, who's their fourth corner. Or I guess he's yeah, he's their fourth corner because because not gonna be available for this game, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. So you know you've got your young secondary guys. I don't know if they end up out there. All it takes is an injury, and potentially you're doing it. But this is this is you know kind of where they are on that roster. Uh, you know the last matchup as always with the Eagles on defense. It's a defensive line against the offensive line. I was going to we say, went, what,
1: what matchups yeah. do you like there? What do you feel about that?
2: Right. Well, we went from Seattle offensive line kind of banged up, you know, such a good passing game, such a good receiving core that if you were going to be able to stop them, you needed to be dominant on the defensive line. And the Eagles largely were, you know what I mean? They were extremely productive against the run. You know, we saw that on the critical fourth downs and then they pretty regularly delivered pressure to Russ. You know, Russ is like deep bomb to DK Metcalf was like half a second away from being a sack to Brandon Graham. And that's kind of, you know, the, as we've talked about the nature of the Eagles defense and the timing with which those rushes arrive. Now you go to Green Bay. Billy Turner, who's their their starting right tackle, has been impressive this year. Uh, they they put him in there to replace Brian Bulaga. was a big shoes to fill. He's been quite good. Mm-hmm. So he and Bakhtiari, you're in a tough spot. Now yeah, rushing off the deal. edge you want your advantage now uh, to be that first career start for runyon with yep. Lindsay out their usual typical starting center you're looking at elton jenkins now playing at center uh, and elton jenkins is a second year player from mississippi state and a big part of what was exciting about him was that he had such good positional versatility right yep. uh, you've had starts for him this year i think at all five offensive line positions uh or no he hasn't started at right guard yet um but once he plays right guard it'll be all five positions really liked him coming out he's yeah all of the exciting things about him length balance pass protection building a base he's really strong mm-hmm. remain when you are playing center you have to the, the difficulty is activating your snap hand yeah. right I'm you sure. you you lose hands immediately uh, yep. you, you can't win with hands on an immediate rapid center because you have to use a hand to snap. Unfortunately, the Eagles rarely line up a true nose. So it's not like they're going to line up Hargrave one on one and be like, beat Elton Jenkins, beat this guy taking his fourth career start at center. Uh, it's just uh, I don't think that that's I don't think that's in the car for Jim Schwartz, even though it potentially should be. Uh, yep. When they go like sub package blitz packages, they put linebackers in that spot. Yep. You know, and they blitz them through the A-gap. So I don't and think they're, they're going to be able
1: blitzing th- them or they're sugaring it to try to give them a, right. a, a step, a simulated pressure so they can get Fletcher Cox a half second more to rush one-on-one against the guard, which right. would be Runyon, which he should, that's all he needs to just destroy things.
2: Yeah, so you're looking at the matchup against Runyon as the critical one, and I would imagine you're going to get help. They're going to slide to Runyon. You, you have the ability to do so when the other side is, what's his name? Oh, no i wrote it but i can't remember my handwriting billy turner's the right tackle what's 62 i mike and i went through the like i was like before we start the podcast i have to make sure i write down their starting lines so i will get it wrong and i wrote it down and i literally cannot read patrick lucas patrick lucas lucas patrick in- <laughs> almost- lucas patrick yes that's lucas the patrick order. you can't have two <laughs> first names that's illegal because it just confuses me the way it's written gosh i need to write slower. Okay. So, yeah, you're going to get Fletch over the left guard. They typically line Fletch over the right guard. So I wonder how much they move him around. But anyway, you're going to get Fletch over John Runyon. You're going to get Malik and you're going to get Hargrave on Runyon one on one. That's the matchup you need to take advantage of. The rest of this line is strong. Yeah, I, I would agree with
1: that. OK, let's get to our prediction. Then you said that the Eagles would be over 20. Just a reset here. The line is Packers eight and a half point favorites over under, as we see it now, 48 and a half points. Vegas saying Packers 28, Eagles 20. We both said over for the Eagles. Over under final score prediction: Packers twenty eight. You think they? Do uh, you think they top that? I guess they can't because you said that the Eagles are going to win, right? Yeah, I. That's math,
2: right? You're so good <laughs> at this. I think so. I mean, like I'm, I'm, I'm very down for saying the Eagles are going to win and just being an idiot about it. Like I think it's like what 27-26, 28-26. If the Eagles run the football, when you look at the the, the defensive splits for the Eagles. Game chronology-wise, they're even on their bad performances better early, and then they just sur- they suffer so much in time of possession, have to deal with so many three and outs, account for short fields that they start to leak in, in the second half. If mm-hmm. the Eagles just use a run-heavy script with a moderate amount of success, and maybe not even like a twenty-eight point success, but just keep the defense fresher mm-hmm. and give them fewer possessions, I think you- you're going to continue to see. You're going to see that strong performance that usually comes in the beginning of games last longer. And that pass rush, which obviously it's all about that rotation, be able to sustain longer. I don't think the defense has necessarily been great, but their better play will last longer throughout the game. So 27-26, 28-26, 27-26, Jake Elliott on a, you know, 48-yard game winner. I dance on Mike's yeah. grave in the postgame podcast.
1: I mean, that's a that's a good point with time of possession though, because like I said in the, at the beginning, the Packers do lead the league in average time of possession. You have to cut into that. You that's have to right. get off, You have to get off the field on fourth down.
2: And because they're they're one of the most aggressive. I think they are the most aggressive fourth down team in the league. Yep. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So More yeah, you, they're able to make those drives last.
1: So the Eagles are going to have to get off the field in those situations. Here's the thing. Uh, I, I do think the Eagles' offense does look better. I do think that they go with the the running game plan. The blueprint is there from from last year. There's there's zero excuse for it not to be. However, I still think we are complaining at the about the run game at the end of this thing because I think the Packers are going to boat race them and I think they're going to put up points early. And it's going to make the Eagles abandon that, and they're not going to be able to get into a rhythm as far as that goes. Might be weirdly close for a little bit, but I, I, I can't see them keeping pace with the Packers right now. Not, not logically, anyway. I, I get why the game would be weirdly close. Like, it's kind of like that Seahawks-Eagles thing. They should be blowing them out, and it's not really happening type of thing. Could get weird. Man. Right. If ask, I were- ask me if I have any faith in the Eagles right now. In in Jim Schwartz, number one to stop Aaron Rodgers, number with uh, Devonte Adams if he plays a full freaking game.
2: If right, I, I reserve the right to if Darius Slay looks like anything less than eighty five percent to go, say I would have been right if not for Darius Slay being unhealthy. Unless it's a Grayland
1: Arnold, you know, Craig James type situation where he comes in and gets the gets the pick to to seal the thing. I, I'm gonna go with I'll go with the Eagles twenty three packers 34 i think they put up points man i don't see why not they're they're they are freaking hot and who knows with with the health of any eagle being questionable they might as well be dead so we'll see if slay has to pull himself to like 15 20 snaps man i hope he's healthy i hope this is just a a small thing that he can recover from pretty quickly but that's my thoughts on the matter man not real uh not real hopefully they surprise me i like being surprised better than i like being let down
2: yep if i were if i were handicapping my bet would be Eagles over team total 20. It wouldn't be cover the spread and it wouldn't be Mm. on a win or anything like that. It would be Eagles scoring more than 20. I think that, that, you know... Again, like as they usually do, the offense will have 16 points and they'll score an absolutely pointless touchdown at the end of it and they'll go over and so on and so forth. So yeah. that's what how I would handicap it. But why not? Yeah, Eagles win, sure. And then we can just start doing things. Yeah. Oh, it's better. And oh, Carson Wentz, accountability. He talked to the locker room and he was like, hey guys, I oh. suck. And the locker room was like, you know what, Carson? We're glad you said so because now we can admit it to reporters when they ask us about it. He's like, 100%. he was Brandon Graham saying, I'm really happy that he brought it up and he talked about it. To reporters, with the implication, at least in my reading, being because now I don't have to dance around it anymore, <laughs> is absolutely hilarious
1: because he's right.
2: Yeah. Yes, <laughs> all so right, right, Carson Wentz accountability tour. They win a game, he <laughs> has only one interception. We're all like, ah, oh, this is awesome.
1: The Carson Wentz accountability tour, I love it. Ben. Yes, the CWAT, <laughs> say goodbye. To the gentle, gentle listeners.
2: Well, thank you as always. We're listening to the Kisten Solak show here on BGN Radio. We do appreciate you once again keeping morale high and swinging by as we get Ooh. ready for yet another Eagles game against the Packers. Yippee-ki-yay. The Birds face the Packers at 425, as Mike said on CBS. Tony Romo at the call. And Mike and I will be with you for the immediate post-game show by the time halftime comes on the Sunday night football game. Yes, Mike. I'm already giving you a right. deadline. Yeah, I was like, wow. <laughs> all right. <laughs> yeah, listen. <laughs> That's what I aim for, but. <laughs> I'm the boss here. This I is my podcast. <laughs> my name's on the show. Yeah. So anyway, the postgame pod will be out. All the post game coverage will be at bleedinggreennation.com. This is the second game in the Eagles stretch of good teams they should not beat. Let's pretend like we still think they can win one. He's Michael Kist on Twitter, at MichaelKistNFLKST. I've been Benjamin Solak on Twitter, at Benjamin Solak. That's S-O-L-A-K. We'll talk to you after the game.
1: We all we got. We all we need.
2: Fly eagles, fly.
1: I'll put that doggone post game pot out whenever the hell I want, nerd. You understand me?
2: Nah, nah, no, nah, no, nah, no, nah. No. It's gonna be halftime. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> open my phone in the second oh, halftime geez. hits, and there's gonna be damn tweet, certified fresh, two tomatoes. P
0: G N. And in this presidential election season, The Current explores what a national political advertiser like the National Republican Senatorial Committee and a major CPG brand like Hershey can learn from each other. Listen in and subscribe to The Current at TheCurrent.com or wherever you get your podcasts. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to do list starts.